Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hello and welcome back to Therapy and Theology. For those of you just tuning in for the first time, I'm so glad that you're here. And those of you tuning in again, thank you so much. Welcome back. I am jumping into a new series as we come to the final month of the year and the Christmas season. And I don't know about you, but these past few months have just flown by and it has been such a gift and a blessing to share my thoughts and challenging questions and discussing them with those that have been able to share this space with me on the podcast. So I thought it would be fitting that we take this last month and this this Christmas season to align this final series of the podcast with the themes of Advent and the celebration of hopeful remembrance. So if you're unfamiliar with the church calendar, Advent is one of the six sacred seasons observed throughout the calendar year. Practiced by several different Christian denominations, these seasons provide us with a time to reflect on both the grand narrative of the gospel story and the stories of God's work throughout our lives today. And so Advent is the first of these gospel seasons, and it is defined as a period of waiting as we take time to remember the coming of Christ's birth and as we hold hope for Christ's second coming here on earth. So Advent invites us to intentionally pause, seek the Lord, and pay attention to the reality of our weary hearts and the present and future hope of love, joy, peace, and Christ's return. So in my family growing up, we had an Advent wreath, and this was a wreath that had five candles on it, and we would light one candle each week that represented themes of Advent. So if you're not familiar with this, I'm going to just share them quickly. First is the hope candle, hope or promise candle, some say. And this was the remembrance of the hope and promise of the coming Messiah. The prophets spoke of the one who would come and bring light to the world and freedom for the people. And then week two is peace. And this is found in the comfort of the promise of redemption, this wholeness that Jesus brings his people, this redemption and reconciliation with God brings peace with God. And then joy 
is week three. This is awareness of God's grace, this joy of good news that is for all people. And then finally, love, the goodness of God's gift to the world, his love for us, his compassion towards us to give us his son and that we should be called children of God. And then on Christmas morning, we always lit the Christ candle, which was the white in the center to remember and celebrate Christ's birth. And so these themes are seen throughout all of scripture. And although we may know them well and talk about them even in our Christian circles, this season gives us an opportunity to intentionally be reminded to reflect and anticipate the reality of Christ's life. So today, as we enter the season of Advent, I want to start with this concept of hope. Where is hope found? And what are we placing our hope in? You know, so often in my counseling sessions, there is this hopelessness, this feeling of discouragement and disorientation and challenge and disappointment that that permeates grief and loss. And the disappointment that often follows misplaced hope creates so much discouragement and grief, doesn't it? I mean, I know that it has in my own life. Whatever it might be, anything here on earth can be quickly taken from us, right? And so I think the fear of even hoping for things becomes a challenge because if we hope, we could be let down, right? Yet, unlike the things of this world, which quickly fade or can suddenly change, the hope of the Bible is not based on earthly foundations, but on God's covenant promise of our Messiah. And so I want to look back to scripture to kind of anchor our idea of hope here, because it's not flimsy, and it's oftentimes maybe not what we expected. In Zechariah 9.9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. And then in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, Isaiah. And he says, For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. And so these passages speak to the hope of the promise God has for his people and also to us and all who believe. This is the hope. It is confirmed in the person and presence of Christ. And in the New Testament, we see of this fulfillment in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 8, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit, his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I don't know about you, but when I read these promises of Scripture, I am reminded of the eternal hope and glory that is to come. And so, yet even in the truth of this promise of this season, I think there tends to be a sense of even disconnection between what we assume is supposed to be, I'm supposed to have hope and joy. I know Jesus even came to die for my sins and he was born out of love. Yet, the reality of our present state tends to be in conflict with this hope. My heart aches for those, maybe those of you listening, who 
feel a loss of hope or joy or peace or love this holiday season. And I want so desperately to acknowledge this disillusionment and discouragement that are present in loss, grief, change, pain, and the many complexities of our stories. Friend, you are not alone if this season feels difficult or disorienting. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe for some of you, you're excited and you're aware of this goodness and grace of God. And wherever season we find ourselves in, we can be reminded of this hope. So I've been thinking, how do we bring together this season of hope-filled reflection when maybe the season of our soul is far from hopeful? What does it mean to pause and seek the presence and personhood of our Messiah? And how can this change the way we live in this coming year? So something that I feel is often overlooked in Christian discipleship is this journey that our spiritual formation takes. Much like the holiday season, I feel many of us have expectations of what our faith should look like or our hope should look like. And when we are faced with hopelessness or difficulty or self-doubt, it can create a lot of discouragement in what we assume to be the Christian life. J.I. Packer, author of Knowing God, talks about dangerous perspectives when it comes to Christian discipleship. And he discusses this idea of when we become believers or when we are in this process of Christian formation and we have an expectation that our lives as believers should not have problems at all or that our hope somehow is found in a problem-free life, we are placing expectations on God that were never spoken to us. And so the problem here is that we cannot escape the brokenness of our world. Even though God exists and has given us his spirit and has made us his child and heirs, it does not negate the brokenness of this world that we live in. And so being able to acknowledge that false hope and dismiss it with the acknowledgement of our present reality can be really helpful, not for us just emotionally, but also for us spiritually, that we're not questioning God when bad things happen because we're recognizing that the fallenness of our world is part of this process and God can be met in it with us. And I think the second thing that Packer notes that I think is really powerful is the remedy for this belief. Oftentimes I think we can we can focus so much on the fact that the problems we experience in life are our fault and the frustrations that we have equal substandard Christianity or a mark of our lack of faith. Um, he notes that struggles are then equated with defeat, which can be seen as a relapse of faith. And this is not so. When we recognize the proper place for grace, we acknowledge that as our remedy. Grace is our remedy for these feelings of hopelessness and for these present moments of disorientation and defeat. And so with a proper view of these hardships as opportunities to return and rely on the presence and power of God in us, we can find new hope, a new way of looking at it. We can't negate grace. And so with this understanding of the belief that challenges happen, life can be difficult and it can be beautiful. We can hold the coexisting of these emotions and places and spaces and seasons of our souls 
we also can recognize that the struggle that we do experience in life is remedied by grace and returning to God. Old Testament theologian Walter Brueggemann provides a powerful paradigm for the spiritual rhythms of life in his comparison to the Psalms. In his book entitled Praying the Psalms, he suggests that the Psalms reflect three distinct movements which humans regularly find themselves in. One, orientation, in which everything seems to make sense in our lives. God is good. It's His goodness is revealed. We are at peace and rest. Number two, disorientation, in which we feel as though we have sunken into a pit or we feel disoriented and don't understand God. Maybe we can't see or experience or feel what God is doing or why he's doing it. And then number three, reorientation, in which we realize that God has lifted us out of this stage of disorientation and we are at a new place or a new level of seeing and experiencing his goodness and awareness of his grace in our lives. And so the psalm that immediately comes to mind when I think of these seasons of the soul, as I've been calling them, is found in Psalm 23. So I want to read these verses of Psalm 23, and it will be the backdrop of the series moving forward. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here in these verses, we see the movement of the soul from orientation, these green pastures to disorientation, the valley of the shadow of death, and back into reorientation of the goodness and mercy that follows him all the days of his life until he dwells in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe you can relate to one, if not all of these three seasons over the course of our lives. I think we experience this rhythm in many different ways, orientation, disorientation, reorientation, and we move through it season after season in different and deeper ways. Over the next three weeks, though, I want us to walk through each of these seasons individually and answer the questions our souls long to find in each of them. So this framework, I hope, will help us in this Christmas season to seek Jesus and see the ways that he alone can bring hope and joy, peace and love in every season our soul experiences. So I want today to close with an invitation to write a personal prayer for this season. No matter where you find yourself or what season your soul may be in currently, let us each prepare our hearts to intentionally seek the presence of hope found in our promised King. Here are a few prompts to help you in forming a prayer. What is it that I hope for this season? Maybe it's needs, desires, dreams, delight. Maybe it's financial concerns or relationships. What is it that you're hoping for in this season? Next, maybe you can ponder or reflect or write down, how do these hopes invite me to place my hope in the promised presence of my Messiah? You know, oftentimes our hopes and desires or dreams, they point to a deeper desire, an eternal theme. What 
eternal themes come from the hopes and desires that you have identified. With both of these questions answered, write a prayer within these themes, inviting God into these dreams and desires, maybe asking him to uproot them or making room for him to reveal the hope that cannot be taken from you. This practice allows us to return to this prayer of hope, this understanding and acknowledgement of who God is seeking to find and experience the presence of our Messiah. So I hope that this Christmas season will be one that we can journey together in season of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. I hope that you will come along with me and experience the power and presence of our King. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkleer.com. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.